Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, a podcast for and about the people of the Nashville restaurant scene. Now here's your host, the CEO of New Light Hospitality Solutions, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host, and this is the podcast for and about the Nashville restaurant scene. Our guest today is Akinde Olagundoye, and he is the president of the Nashville chapter of the United States Bartenders Guild, and he is also a bartender at Skull's Rainbow Room. And we are going to talk a little bit more about him in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you about Prime South Meats and Gifford's Bacon. Previously, you could only get their bacon and the famous smoked bologna at your favorite restaurants throughout the city. But now, because of the pandemic, they, like a lot of places, have had to pivot, and now they're selling and delivering here in Middle Tennessee. They will also ship bacon all over the country. So go visit our website at www.nashvillerestaurantradio.com. From the homepage, just scroll down just a tiny little bit right there from the homepage, and you will see the Giffords Bacon and Prime South Meats. Click the button that says Buy Bacon Now. For as little as $12, you could have Giffords Bacon uh, sent straight to your home. They have all kinds of butcher box packages, lots of different options, lots of different meats for you to take care of your weekend at the lake or by the pool. So I also want to take a moment to talk about Springer Mountain Farms Chicken. I talk about them every single episode because they are an amazing sponsor and great people. But I talk about the amazing restaurants that serve their chicken. And today I want to name a few. So just to name drop a little bit, we have Arnold's Country Kitchen, Party Fowl, Peg Leg Porker, The Oak Steakhouse, uh, The Marsh House, Cane Prime, Whiskey Kitchen, The Farmhouse, Husk, and Etch. Just to name a few. Just a, a tip of the iceberg as to who out there is buying them. So if these chefs are choosing to use Spring Mountain Farms chicken, you know that it is the best chicken on the planet. Check them out. Next time you're at the grocery store, make sure you pick up some Spring Mountain Farms chicken to take home. So I know you are ready for a Kende. We are almost there, but I want to talk to you guys and thank you for just the response that we're getting. Every one of you out there who's liking the show, liking the Instagram posts, who have followed us on Instagram, I, I can't tell you how much this means to me. And just every time, every single one of you that likes one of these pages, I get a notification and I look at it and I love it and it makes me happy and I want more. So my ask from you today is, will you go please help me out? This is a grassroots campaign. Don't have a ton of money to do advertising. We are really solely providing word of mouth advertising. So if you could, if you would, if you love the show and you want to tell your friends about it, create a post, tag me in the post, say something, tell some people. It means so much and that is exactly how we're going to get this show to everybody. So we want to get the perspective as to what we're talking about to as many people as possible. And I know you guys are just going to be warriors for me out there doing this. And I appreciate it so, so much. So this interview with Akinde um, is done on his porch in East Nashville. We're sitting there. It is hot. And uh, it, there, we're right on the corner. And cars are just coming up and pulling away. So it kind of sounds like we are in the middle of an intersection because we kind of are. So I apologize about that, but I don't think it detracts too much from the interview. 
And um, I'm excited to be interviewing some more bartenders coming up soon. We've got a whole bunch of options, been talking to a whole bunch of people. Very, very excited to bring this aspect of the uh, show to you. And I will continue to get better and learn really cool questions to continue to ask and hopefully can share some really great stories. So let's get into this thing. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for sharing. I love each and every one of you. And I hope that you enjoy my conversation with Akinde. All right, so I want to welcome into Nashville Restaurant Radio Akinde Olagundie, who is the bartender extraordinaire at Skull's Rainbow Room, who is also the president of the Nashville chapter of the United States Bartenders Guild, USBG. Akinde, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I cannot complain. It's hot. Yeah, it's very hot. I'm sweating a little bit. <laughs> so I want to jump right in. So I made a post on um, the Nashville Hospitality page, and I said, I want to know the hands-down best mixologist in the game. Who is this mixologist? And I overwhelmingly got 180-plus responses, but your name came up so many times. Uh, and I've met you back in the day when you worked at Amendment 21 in Huntsville, Alabama. But the thing also that I thought was really interesting was people were responding and saying, you're not going to get a mixologist because mixologist is like, that's a part of the job. But if you want a really good bartender and then they would give a name, what's the difference? Help me out. So the layman, like the difference between a mixologist and a bartender, what's the difference? I think that... Uh Mixologist is a term that's used in a complimentary way, but it's just one aspect of bartending. So that's going to be using ingredients to create cocktails and, you know, somebody that can design a menu. But a bartender does a lot more as a job. They interact with people. They kind of manage a room and multitask, you know, do things quickly and serve people. So it's not just taking ingredients, putting them together to make a drink. It's opening a bar cutting fruit, um, setting everything, cleaning, being able to recognize when somebody's intoxicated, when they're not intoxicated. There's a lot more to being a bartender than just being a mixologist. Exactly. Okay, so good. So that clears it up. So when you call somebody a mixologist, you're saying that you make good drinks. Yeah, they the make bartender's good drinks, all encompassing. But they might not be able to actually handle a room or handle a, a group of uh, guests. Where do you get that skill? Is it just from time? I say a lot of it comes from time. I started out as a server, so... Uh, waiting on tables helped me learn a lot of skills as far as just service. So I've talked to you a little bit. And so your your history, you kind of started off with, uh, I think it was Red Lobster was your first job, right? Yeah, Red Lobster in Brooklyn. And Red Lobster in Brooklyn, New York. That's where you're from, Brooklyn. And then you went to Huntsville, Alabama, where you went to school. Uh, what was the name of the school you went to? Uh, Oakwood University. Oakwood University, absolutely. And then from there, you did a short stint at Applebee's. And yeah. then you went to, um, you kind of got into the craft beverage, or you, got, you kind of started taking this whole thing seriously. Tell me about your experience at Amendment 21. Yeah, when I went to Amendment 21, it was the first time where I was able to contribute as far as the menu. So while I was there, I would look up different spirits that we had and uh, study at night on looking things up online to create recipes that would work with the ingredients that we had. Did somebody teach you this? Like, how do you, where do you all of a sudden just know how to do this? Well, I worked at the Scene Lounge at Monaco. Okay. And while I was there, one of the bartenders would show me how to do stuff. Who was this bartender? What was this person's name? The sad part is I don't remember her name. Oh. But 
uh, I also used to watch the other bartenders and I could see that it was a certain rhythm that they had when they made drinks. And uh, that was before we used to use a lot of jiggers and measuring devices. So things were done by uh, free pouring, yeah. which is uh, based off timing. So did you have to pour into the little the little test tubes to like, did you have to do the AccuPour? I never really was tested anywhere that I worked. So how do you know like what an ounce and a half is, ounce and a quarter, how do you know all that stuff? Um, for me, it's like one, two, three, four, that's an ounce and a half. Uh, but now we use a lot of different ingredients to have different viscosities that pour at different rates. So for more precise cocktails, it's better to use an actual measuring device like a jigger. Okay. so. Using a jigger is something that is a, a good thing. I think so. I think a lot of bartenders back when I was bartending, it, to free pour was a level of trust. Like if you had, if you had to use a jigger, it was something that was like people didn't trust you. But I think that now the game has changed where the preci precision when it comes to making a cocktail is everything. And getting a really good drink outweighs back in the day when I would make a Jack and Coke. Like just make it all Jack and you're the free right. pour that thing. And you put a jigger and people felt like they were getting less. Right, the jigger is just there for consistency. Uh, you don't get any more or any less. I know how to pour an ounce and a half with or without a jigger. So for some guests, they might perceive it as uh, we're being tight with the liquor, but it's not really that way. Hmm. What do you do when a guest does that? Like, what, What's your perception if a guest says, hey man, what, put a little more in there. What, what do you got going on there? Well, how do I like to let them know they can get a double or they can get a rocks pour, which would be two ounces. Uh, but you can't just give away extra liquor. Yeah, I mean, that's not what, I think a lot of people, there's a lot of guests that come in and say, make it strong or kick it up for me or I'll tip you better. And it's like, I mean, well, that, that's part of, I think that there is an aspect of bartending for people that that is something a lot of bartenders do and people get response from that. But that's essentially stealing. It is essentially stealing. So uh, for me, I prefer to buy a guest a drink if I feel like it, but like literally buy it for them. And, like your own uh, money? Yeah, I'll put money towards it. Uh, certain bars, they'll help the bartender out. You might have a little spill tab or uh, maybe get a discount price whenever you decide that you want to buy something for somebody. But if they ask, that's when you generally know that it's not a good idea. <laughs> and another thing that people ask bartenders to do is they're asking bartenders to gauge when people are intoxicated. Now, working at a place like Skull's Rainbow Room, you're in Printer's Alley. Right. People are coming from all kinds of places. You have no idea what level they're currently at. What do you What do you look for when somebody comes in? Like, what do you look for? What are some signs that somebody's intoxicated? The first thing that I can see is the way that they're walking. Like, I try to pay attention to the whole room, so I can see from when somebody walks in the door if they're stumbling if they you know, are veering left and right and can't walk in a straight line, if their eyes look a certain way, uh, the way they speak, there's a lot of tells to it. People speaking really loudly and- People loud, people being rude, using foul language, bothering other people. How do you tell them? You just, do, you have, do you have that confrontation often? Not often, but uh, a decent amount. Like I enough. just let them know that, you know, I can't serve you anymore tonight. I'm sorry. Uh, come back tomorrow and I'll gladly serve you. But tonight, you gotta go. So what are the ramifications? I mean, if you're, you got somebody who comes in who's drinking, I think that the perception 
there is you're doing this to them, right? So I mean, I'm, I'm putting words into people's mouths. I'm creating hypotheticals here, but if I come in and I've drank too much, and I say, well, "You're you're cutting me off. What's your problem?" And they're they're mad at you. You have there's serious ramifications for you. The responsibility that you have to serve alcohol is pretty huge. Right. That's why I usually try to handle it very delicately. I'm not like, "Oh, you're cut off." It's more like, "I'm sorry, I can't serve you anymore tonight." Yeah. You know, uh, I think you had a little bit too much. If I have to keep on going, hopefully the conversation just ends right there, where I say, "I'm sorry, I can't serve you anymore." And but if it doesn't, then occasionally you have to get somebody else involved, either manager, security. Do you have any like good that. stories? Uh, any, anybody? Not you don't have to like name like the story in particular of where somebody got especially out of control. Yeah, we had this one guy that works nearby that came in. He comes in pretty regularly, but this night he had too much and he started bothering these ladies and. Uh, we come to find out that he has told her Sambuca's for sluts. And so she was very upset and hit him in the face. And so we we kind of, we diffused it very quickly, but it happened. And So she's know. drinking Sambuca and the guy is in there and he's drunk and he says Sambuca's for sluts? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. And she said, I didn't know at the time what was going on. I just saw him buy them. And then uh, she's like, say it again, say it again. And he said it again. And she punched him. Yeah. And so we had to remove him, remove, you know, separate them and calm the situation down. So when people drink, they get unruly. People's inhibitions are free, right? So they're, they're not making their best choices. Right. One of the things I've learned through all of this, just this whole pandemic, this is me looking in the mirror, is that especially through the Black Lives Matter movement, is that I'm not going to allow it anymore. Like, when I hear something, I'm not going to be okay. I'm not just going to turn around and walk away. Like, by not saying something, I'm complicit with it. How hard is it being a bartender and listening to people have conversations or having conversations about things that you don't agree with? Do you ever interject? Like, what do you do in that situation? I've been doing this for 17 years now, so... I've kind of heard everything. And at this point, it's like, I let other people handle it. I'm not really, I can hear most every conversation, but I'm not quick to jump into people's conversations. And I just sum it up to ignorance and I let them let them be ignorant. If they go too far, then usually somebody else will step in and notify management or something like that. And that's a tough situation to be in. You know, I think people are just, He's a, there's a bartender, these are service people, but we're also real life people, you know, in these right. situations where there's something that's not right. It's hard to let somebody say something or be rude or racist or whatever the case may be and let it go. Right. But like I had this one guy, he was talking about Chris Crafts at a bar I was working at. They're talking about what? Chris Crafts. They're boats. The boats. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, you wouldn't know anything about those. Uh, that's rich white people stuff. And I was just like... Oh, okay. <laughs> and then, but the thing is, my coworker stepped in, said something to him, and you know, he kept on saying whatever he was saying. And eventually, they told the management, and he left. Hmm. It just—it's. Hopefully, we start seeing a lot less of that going on <laughs> behind the bars and just uh, everywhere in in this world. I think we're going the right way. 
I think we're definitely going in the right direction. So just off the front end, just jumping in talking, we just jumped right in talking about the bar. Yeah. Let's talk about you a little bit. You're the president of the Nashville chapter of the United States Bartenders Guild. Correct. How does one become the president of the Nashville chapter of the United States Bartenders Guild? So I've been active in USBG for several years, uh, from back when I was in Huntsville, Alabama. We didn't have a chapter there, but I would go to Birmingham and meet with their chapter. And they were always like a family. They always were big on education. And that was something that interested me since I couldn't find it where I was at. Um, what about and, that interest you? Um, just learning more about spirits, learning more about cocktails, trying to grow as a bartender and learn new skills. Did you know this was what you wanted to do? Like, when, when did it click that, like, I want to put all of my energy and all of my efforts into the professionalism and becoming the best damn bartender I possibly can? I think that was when I became the manager at Amendment 21. Okay. Because at that point, I started to learn other parts of the business, you know, being responsible with the alcohol as far as, you know, not overpouring, you know, making sure everything is being charged for. Um, and I also had the duty of making cocktails in a community that didn't really have a strong cocktail presence. Yeah. So th at that point, I wanted to learn as much as possible. I wanted to bring more diversity in the cocktails themselves as far as not just all fruity vodka, but you know, learning how to play with whiskey and scotch and mezcal, things like that. Have you always been creative? Are you? Do you do any art? Not really. Uh, I would say I'm creative, but I've never been like a good artist as far as drawing. Uh, I used to sing in the choir, so I like to sing sometimes. Who's your favorite um, band of all time? My favorite band of all time. Ooh. I don't know if this counts, but Boys to Men. Of course that counts. Why would that not count? Because <laughs> they, I mean, they're vocal instruments, I guess. They're a trio. Yeah. Or is it a and uh, Take Six. Take actually. Six. Take yeah. Six would probably beat them out that just that just popped up but yeah take six for take sure. six is fantastic yeah okay take six boys meant both so you like the vocal stylings i like the vocal stylings okay i gotcha um tell us what the united states bartenders guild is up to right now okay so the whole purpose of the usbg is to uh, promote uh professional bartending as a profession and uh during this time we've basically been doing a lot of philanthropy uh, since the tornadoes, we raised a lot of money to help bartenders and service staff in the community. And now with COVID, we're, we're trying to continue making programming for people to learn things online. Uh, we've done virtual tastings. We recently did a, a workout session. Um, and we're just trying to be creative uh, to keep our industry engaged and uh, in good spirits. So when the whole pandemic started and every you know everybody's losing their jobs, there was no financial assistance, there was no stimulus, it was there was no it was unemployment, but it was two seventy five a week. Right. Um, the U.S. Bartenders Guild really stepped up and created grants, I guess, for bartenders that were out of work. Right. I mean that's huge. Yeah. Uh, so far, we've given away close to nine million dollars. Wow. And that's that's a that's a worthy cause. Do you, now, do you have a bunch of members here in town? Is there members of the Bartenders Guild? Yeah, we have about sixty members in Nashville. Uh, Eleven board members. And, in Nashville. Uh, in Nashville. Wow. 
and we're still trying to keep growing. So how does, if I'm a bartender out there and I want to get better at what I do, right? So let's just say I'm a bartender, I've gone through the pandemic and I think I'm good, but I want to make this a professional thing where I really get better. I hone my craft. I really start one. I want to start collaborating with like-minded people. Is this something I can join where I can do that? This is something you can join. Uh, you can actually join as a service industry professional or also as an enthusiast. And uh, you'll be invited to any tastings that we do, any educational programs, any uh, charitable work that we do. Like last year, we, we haven't been able to do it this year because of the pandemic, but we worked with Second Harvest Food Bank and we sorted over 10,000 pounds of food one day. Nice. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we try to do as many things like that as possible. But we have a website that it's at usbg.org and anybody's free to check that out. I encourage it. So I've been encouraging people during this pandemic while we're in, I don't know if we're gonna go back to phase one or if we're gonna close down completely again, if there's gonna be another fall, what happens? But I've encouraged people to better themselves. I've kind of said that this whole time on this podcast, I've said, use this moment as a reset button. No matter what you did prior to the COVID shutdown, you can start today to get better at what you do. So if you're one of those people who doesn't, you know, that that needs a little bit of a motivation, needs something like to join this group, there's going to be different meetings. There's going to be things you, there's probably an access online. How much does it cost? Uh, it's one twenty-five a year. Oh, it's like so, $10 a month? Right. It's not bad at all. That's not bad uh, at all. It can be prohibitive for some people at this time, but, you know, uh, it's definitely worth it. You you will get your money's worth pr- pretty quickly just because uh, our events are free generally. I mean, we do have some paid events that are like, higher-end events, but other than that, they're generally sponsored by some brand. And networking with people like yourself and other right. bartenders are involved. Um, that's awesome. So thank you for doing that. I We were talking a little bit about this. One of the things that I've kind of recognized with bartenders and um, there's a lot of, there's not as much diversity in bartending as uh, a lot of other professions. Are you working towards um, how are you working towards advancing diversity in bartending? Okay, uh, one initiative we have going right now is that we're trying to set up a program, a mentorship program with uh, local students and show them uh, different aspects of the hospitality world as far as you know, serving, bartending, cooking, uh, the supplier side and the distribution side and just show them that there's different ways that you can approach this career. There's, there's a lot of diversity in the actual work that you can do. You don't necessarily have to wait tables to be in hospitality. No. Uh, you don't necessarily have to wash dishes. You know, there's, there's a lot of opportunity. And so hopefully this program will help us to share some of that knowledge with these, uh, the next generation. Do you have mentors lined up for people? How would, if I'm a, a person that wants to give back and I want to help students, I want to help kids that are thinking about the hospitality industry and I want to mentor, do you have enough people? How would I volunteer for that? And if I knew somebody who was younger that was contemplating a career in this business, how would I get them involved in that? 
I would say for now, I would uh, shoot an email over to usbgnashville at, at uh, gmail.org. Gmail.com, I'm sorry. usbgnashville at gmail.com. Correct. Okay. And then we'll reach out. Uh, it, this one's still in the works, so we don't have it all fully planned yet. Cool. Well, I, mean, I know there's a ton of people out there that are really interested in all of those things. You know, I think bringing diversity in everything that we do is, is super important and motivating kids. I, I believe the children are our future, right? And if yeah. we don't model for them professionalism in this industry and show them what this industry can do, um, I think that we're going to have, it's going to be a tough go of it. And people that are professionals in this business to mentor and model for people what the right way to do things is vital. And I love that you guys are doing that. And I want to just help, I want to help promote that any way that I possibly can that is on par exactly with what we're trying to do here at National Restaurant Radio. So if I can help awesome. in any way, reach out to me. I'll continue to be in touch with you. But if there's any way that I can help find people, promote it, whatever I can do, I'm in. Okay. All right. Sounds great. Yeah. So let's get into um, a little bit more just about uh, you and bartending and some of the aspects of bartending. Uh, let's talk about right now, COVID nineteen. We're back to phase two. Yeah. So um, good. It's pretty odd. Uh, we don't really we don't get to serve people across the bar, and that's kind of what we love to do. Uh, yeah. Have that banter, have that interaction, but now things are more table service. So we. We have a service well where you you know there's a bartender there that makes all the drinks for the restaurant and uh other than that it's table service so it's kind of hard to enjoy it the same way but we're taking this time to work on the mixology aspect which is you know creating new cocktails more time to play with ingredients since we don't actually get to interact with people anything you anything special like you know, like if you've seen like Zulina, are you working on like Magnum or something? What are you working on uh, over here that you might be able to let us in on? Well, at this point, I'm in, in the syrup stage where I'm just creating new things, new syrups. Uh, oleosaccharums are what I'm kind of playing with right now. O oleo what? Oleosaccharum. So that means that? it's literally sugar oil. Sugar it's, oil. Right. That would be the translation from Latin. But it's, a, it's an old way of preserving citrus. So you take the citrus peels and you rest them with sugar, you muddle it, leave it out overnight, and the sugars will actually extract the oils from the peels and create a rich, oily syrup. So it adds to mouthfeel, which, you know, texture. You wouldn't really notice it unless you know. But you would notice it. And that's, you kind of would, yeah. That's the kind of stuff that when people go, I'm not spending $12 on a drink. And I go, okay, well, go get your Long Island tea at Ruby Tuesday. Right. I'm going to get the $12 drink from the guy that's creating whatever that is. You just oleosaccharums. Oleosaccharums, yeah. I mean, that, that's what it's about, man. Okay, so what do you do with something like that? Where do you, what do you, how do you make an oleosaccharum cocktail? What does that work? So, uh, one of my favorite ones that I've ever done was with Patron. And uh, it was a tequila old-fashioned. Okay. I made the syrup, the oleosaccharum, with different citrus peels. It was a lot of grapefruit, uh, some lemon, and some lime. And then I infused that with vanilla beans and cinnamon, and just made it old-fashioned with uh, Roca Patron and Yeho. So uh, aged tequila with the citrus flavors, a, a richer texture from the oleosaccharum, and then the spice from the vanilla and cinnamon. 
So how the hell do I even know to order something like that? Like, how do I know that, like, there's a cocktail that's, like, that good that you put that much time into? How would I order this drink? How would I come in and say, like, hey, are you working on a really cool Patron Old Fashioned with oleosaccharum? Like, how the... I don't know what to Hopefully do. Hopefully it would be on the menu. That would, that would be the easiest way for you to know that it's there. But that's part of the interaction that happens at the bar that we don't have right now, which is you can talk to the bartender, ask them for recommendations, and they, they can be like, hey, well, I got this cool thing. You wanna try it? Yeah. And they can describe it to you, be like, hey, do you have any aversions to any flavors, or you know, any allergies? Uh, what spirit do you like? And then we'll just pull something out from the, from the cooler and surprise you. That's always the best. It's always the best one, a bartender. Do you like that? Like, one of my favorite things to do, because I work a lot with chefs, and I've worked a lot with chefs for many years, is you walk into a restaurant, and, they, and I, I'm fortunate to have chefs that will actually come out and be like, what's up, Brandon? And, I, and they say, what are you going to eat tonight? And I go, oh, you just want to feed me? And they go, hell yeah, dude. So then they just go back, and I go, just do like four courses, just feed us and charge us whatever. Like, And then they come out and... You know, I don't, I'm not saying you should go to restaurants and say that because it's right. just not possible. And I've been fortunate enough to have people, but they just bring you out some of yeah. the coolest stuff. And you're like, oh my God, just whatever dishes you want to try, try them out on me. Is that something that somebody could walk into a bar and say, are you working on anything new? Do you need like a taste tester? Try something cool and I'll tell you what I think. I love when people do that. You do? The only thing is that uh, when they ask, at that point, I have to start asking them questions because the new thing that I might be making might be a uh, whiskey based, you know, spirit forward cocktail and maybe they don't like whiskey and they like rum, but I'll probably have something with rum that's tropical for them as sure. well. So, you know, uh, what kind of spirit do you like? Do you like spirit forward or refreshing? So by spirit you forward, like? you mean something that has a stronger spirit taste in the front end versus like something right. that is more mixer or more exactly. tincture. Like boozy. Bougie. Like, yeah, that's my other word. But some people think it's I'm saying bougie. I'm not saying bougie. <laughs> no, I've, I've made this joke many times. It's not a joke. But every time I drive on 8th Avenue um, at, I think it's Division, right there where, where Party Foul is on the yeah. side of their building, they have a huge neon sign that says boozy slushies. And I don't care what time of day it was, if it's snowing outside, I'm like, I think a boozy slushy sounds good right now. Yeah. I always think that They're a boozy fun. slushy sounds fantastic. <laughs> fun. There's not a time of the day where boozy slushies don't sound good. And now that I'm a non-drinker, it's just is torture. But, you know, what do you do? It's a plain slushy. It's a plain slushy. I got a Sonic. It's I got a, my too. Sonic drink stop now way too often. Need to stop doing that. That's all right. They got happy hour too, right? Yeah. So let's, let's talk about guests. So let's just let's imagine a time where people can go and sit at a bar... I'm gonna role play with you. Can we role play for a minute? All right, let's this do will it. be fun. Hello, uh, bartender. How, How are you? Doing? you? I'm doing great. How are you? Pretty good. Hey, I, I like Long Island teas. You make me a Long Island tea? Sure, <laughs> I can. So I have I, Long Island tea. Is you got something like a Long Island tea back there? Oh, absolutely. Would you like to try something different? Yes. So that all right. That's the role play. There's a side of this that, like, the Long Island tea is a flawed beverage, isn't it? It is a flawed beverage. Why uh, is it a flawed beverage? It's flawed, in my opinion, because it doesn't, the sum is not greater than, the total is not greater than the sum of its parts. So you put vodka, gin, uh, rum, triple sec together, 
that already sounds awful to me. <laughs> and then you add lemon and Coke. I don't think you need to put all of that together in order to make a strong drink. You can still have a strong drink that is in balance and that the flavors actually play well together. Yeah. Um, I so would, that drink is a drink just to get drunk. That's a drink that is usually intended just to get drunk. And but you can do that with better flavors. Right. Okay. Right. So I would say that a person that likes that drink, they like a more refreshing drink. Um, it would be considered a long drink since there's a lot of mixer in it. So I would make them probably some kind of a sour. If I had uh, maybe some kind of fruit, but they, they might, the thing about the Long Island is that they probably don't think of it as a fruity drink. So I would just stay to the citrus, um, maybe suggest them a sidecar, which is totally different because it's cognac. What's a sidecar? It's gonna be cognac, dry curacao, lemon, and some sugar. You shake that up, it comes served up in a cocktail glass or a martini glass. Okay. And it can have sugar on the rim or not. But it's a it's a refreshing drink that has some character to it and better flavor. So let's just say I'm driving all the way in from Dixon. It's a Skull's Rainbow Room. Right. Nothing wrong with Dixon. I'm just right. I live out there, so I'm just saying like I'm driving all the way in for big night on the town. And I typically drink like your standard drinks, right? And I'm coming out to see you. Is there something I can do beforehand or is there a, on your menu? I've always dreamed of this because I've, I've gone to eat a couple places and I'm a little intimidated by drink menus because I don't know what Aperol is. I do, but like, I don't know what a lot of the different ingredients are and I don't know what that drink is like. I know I like a margarita or I know that I right. like an old fashioned or I know that I like these five drinks that are the standard drinks is there something that has like a like a i almost wish that the restaurants would have like a key like if you like margaritas try these three drinks or if you like an old-fashioned try these three drinks or if you like this try these or if you want to be blown away by something completely different and you want to step outside of your three-foot box try any of these right versus just a menu that makes like if i'm intimidated by that do you Am I crazy? No, you're not crazy at all. A lot of ingredients that I use nowadays are either new, like as far as returning back to market and they're not popular uh, outside of the bartending world, the craft bartending world. Yeah. So what I've seen on menus that's really helpful is that some of them have like a scale that says refreshing to spiritous or uh, a scale of adventurous to, I guess, more common flavors. Yeah. And uh, that's also part of the bar interaction that we miss, you know, being able to have this conversation because the, the menus can be intimidating. I, I go to bars and sometimes I'm like, I don't know what that is. And Do you kind of I think just, at that point, like, what, are they trying to outthink the room? Sometimes. Uh, in some ways, some ingredients don't even need to be listed unless they're... Uh, I mean, trying to they, be bougie? <laughs> if they're being bougie. They're being bougie. I mean, in all honesty? Or, yeah, you don't want to confuse your guests by your menu. That's the last thing you want to do. My favorite story that I like to tell is from Christopher Smithing, who's the executive chef for Maribel and Green Hills Grill. I've worked in forever, and we went done a lot of things together. And he drinks Blue Moon. He loves Blue Moon. That is, that is his jam. Right. Right? Like one of the number one selling beers in the nation. Right. 
And every time we go to a bar, he'd sit down and he would look at me and he'd smile and he'd go, may I have a blue moon, please? And they go, oh, we don't have blue moon, but we have something that tastes just like it. Right. And he'd go, it never tastes just like it. It's always some Mill Creek, something or another that's, that's not the same thing. Yeah. Goes, why don't people just carry blue moon? Why won't they just have the thing that everybody asked for? Why do people have to go, everybody asked for Kendall Jackson. Why not just carry Kendall Jackson? Why don't want you to think, we have this wine that's like Kendall Jackson. What, what? Tell me the real answer to that. Okay. The answer is not every place wants to be the same as everywhere else. We're not, not every place wants to give you exactly what you want in a way. A lot of places have their identity and they want you to come there for what they do, not okay. the other way around. So it's like, if you want to go get Blue Moon, then you should go to a bar that has Blue Moon. <laughs> no, I <laughs> we, love that. We, no, that's we have, good. Uh, we have Omegang Wit. It's a wheat beer. It's good. It doesn't. It's not Blue Moon, but also, why can't you try something else today? And, I, I and think try he to does. Enjoy it. Try to enjoy it. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think a lot of people with alcohol. I'm a very. I, I was a very adventurous drinker. I always called myself an educational alcoholic before I called myself an actual alcoholic. Because I tried to drink so many different things. I was like, oh, I'll, I'll drink a different whiskey every day. And I'm learning. Yeah. I'm constantly learning. I'm never trying the same thing. But, you know, a lot of people that drink are creatures of habit. That's true. But, you know, I like Miller Lite. And yeah. I like Bud Light. Like, it's really not a lot of difference. Right. Like, But they, they're, they're, damn it, I'm drinking Bud Light. Or, I'm, yeah. damn it, I'm drinking Miller Lite. And it's like, why? There's so many greater things out there. But sometimes people just like what they like. Yeah, or just different things. But you're right. Sometimes people just like what they like. I've definitely had people that I've worked at bars that we didn't have Bud Light or Miller Light or Coors Light, any of the uh, big brews. And uh, some people Light would, waters. yeah, they say that they're they're leaving. They're just like, all right, well, why don't you try this? And they may or may not. And if they don't, then that's okay too. So no, I like your answer though. The idea that try something different and there's a lot of places you can go and nothing is Christopher Smith he always drinks the other beer and he always likes yeah, it well, he just thinks cool. it's funny he's that's like cool. I, you know like everywhere I go I always ask for it and everybody has something that's just like it and it's like and sometimes it's like yep here it is it's it could like, be cooler space you never know they might not have space for one more beer it could be it's interesting <laughs> uh, you know sometimes it's like if, if you have enough people that ask for one thing then just just, just go that route. And sometimes there's promotions and incentives and deals that they get on different beer that right. if I can get a better locally made beer mm-hmm. that tastes like Blue Moon, I want to support a local brewery. You know? True. I don't need to go to Coors to get Blue Moon. I want to buy it from Mill Creek and exactly. Franklin or wherever it is. You know, like that's what I want to do. So um, how much does local affect what you buy? I think it affects it a lot. Uh, um, that's largely because that's what people request a lot of people they want to know what local craft beer do you have they do the same thing for whiskey they're like what local whiskey do you have and so what do you think the best local whiskey is Ooh, the best local whiskey (laughs) i like like the big three a lot of whiskeys yeah uh what corsair belmead and of course uh, Pennington's now has Davidson's Reserve. Yeah, Davidson's Reserve is nice. I really like the Genesis. They come out with that once a year. It's pretty good. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bellmead, 12-year. I really like the the Bellmead. Yeah, uh, the Nelson's. Charlie is really cool. So I like to pick up his bottle and pour it. Uh, 
but I really like their uh, cognac finish, their sherry cast finish, and the 12 year. Also the honey, if you ever get a chance to pick that up, that's awesome. The um, Nelson's? Yeah, they Green do honey. honey. They, yeah, they age it in uh, honey. They, they take their barrels and they give it to the, the uh, I forgot what they call it, but where they make honey. Yeah. And then they fill it with honey, empty the honey out, and then refill it with bourbon and age it like that. Ooh. And that's awesome. Um, Corsair Oat Rage is probably my favorite that they make. It's a oated whiskey. I've never and, had it. Uh, it's, it's different. I don't it's like different. their smoked. The triple smoke? Yeah, I'm, I'm just... Yeah. It's a little too much smoke for me. It's not for everybody. It it's like a PD Scotch. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So, uh, that's just not your one. You should try something else that they make. They make some good absinthe too that I like. Uh, they got a lot of good products. They're gin. I love it. Um, and I definitely love uh, using local good. ingredients or even just in the region as far as Memphis, you know, even Kentucky. We're, we're pretty fortunate to have some pretty damn good distilleries within, you would say regionally, like yeah. states that border Tennessee. Right. We're, we're looking pretty good for keeping a good yeah. supply of people in there. Um, let's, let's pivot again here. So I know we got to get going, but let's talk about right now I want your opinion being as though you're a bartender downtown and you can't you've mentioned it multiple times today that you can't have people at your bar and you were at a point last week where you could right and it's widely accepted right now that there's a few people downtown a few bars downtown that have in essence ruined it for everybody by allowing lines of people just people inside at the bar just completely throwing caution in the wind and um, I'm not saying these things are happening I wasn't there so these are I'm gonna give the caveat this is allegedly from what I've read on right. the internet not everything on the internet is true so I don't know but it seems to be from my perception that some bars downtown namely um, some of Steve Smith's bars where they've just said we're not going to do it. And now they're suing Nashville and they're got a restraining or trying to get a restraining order from the city to hold them accountable. Right. What are your thoughts on that? I think a restraining order against the city is silly. I don't think that, I mean, how can you get a restraining order against the city? They have to come and monitor what goes on. That's just how, uh, food and beverage service works. Well, uh, I'd like to get a restraining order against the police because I want to drive 105 <laughs> miles per hour on 40 on the way home, and I don't yeah, want to be stopped for that. Exactly. I don't want anybody to hold me accountable. Yeah, that's so I think that part's definitely silly. And uh, the worst part is that it affects a lot of smaller bars who have to shut their doors because they don't have a, a, whatever the, the requisite amount of food sales is, even though they've been following all of the rules. So you have people that are following the rules and now everybody has to go back because we've been spreading this virus from bars. And now they're saying that, well, during the protest, those people were allowed to gather and the mayor gathered with those people, but it's the bars that are, they're, they're saying it's unfair. I think that uh, protesting for human rights is worth it a lot more, especially outdoors with masks on, uh, to take any form of a risk rather than cramming people into a bar to sell beer and, and liquor. That's not a human rights issue. No, it sounds people like People aren't dying, issue. except for actually maybe from contracting disease at this point. Yeah. Um, 
All right. I mean, I think there's a, a lot of people that are pushing the narrative that it's so, it, that the government is not doing enough to protect small businesses in this regard. And I think it's a people issue, not a business issue at this point for me. Yeah, I mean, I've seen businesses invest a lot of money in uh, making their places safer just to then have to close, which that that sucks. It is very frustrating. So um, what have we not touched on? What do you what do you want what do you want to talk about right now? What's what's Said, the hot uh, what topic you in your brain? About bartenders. Bartenders. We haven't talked about like what bartenders should be doing. What should bartenders be doing? So you're you're the president of the United States Bartenders Guild, professionalism. What can bartenders do better? What are some common mistakes you see bartenders doing? Things that bartenders do and you'd like to change? I think one of the biggest things is a bartender's not being attentive to their guest needs. Okay. Uh, there's different reasons. Some bartenders are like so caught up in their cocktails that they're too busy looking into the glass as opposed to looking at the people in front of them and making sure that they're actually taken care of, making sure that their water is full, making sure that you know this person's having a good day and are having a good experience at their bar. Um, just being quick about service as opposed to you know whatever conversation you might be having with a person. That's one of the things I learned, I would say, at my current job and that is it's okay to break away from this conversation because somebody needs something and that's more important people understand you're at work right i mean i've always you know one of the things that i always felt and i felt this very strongly is that when i'm behind the bar i'm on stage like literally when i get behind the bar it's like me walking out on stage yeah. Do you ever feel that way? I feel like that every day. And you have an audience. You have people sitting there watching you. Right. And you have the like every single thing you do, they're watching you. And you have a responsibility not to entertain, but to recognize that every single thing that you do is being watched. And that you have a responsibility to, to help create an experience for everybody. Some people yeah. kill that. And some people, I see, I see you on your phone. Right. I see you on your phone. Right. I see you talking That's on the not phone. Good. <laughs> I see you taking a sip out of a drink. I see right. you hitting your vape pen. I see you all of the little things that you're doing. Like, that's all stuff I think you're yeah, talking about, right? That's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I think people forget sometimes that they are on stage and that their main purpose there is to be serving people. We, we're servers. We just make drinks, too, you know? So I, I kind of feel like it's the, it should be at the highest level of service whenever you sit at a bar. Yeah. So my, my thing for bartenders is like, just keep your head on a swivel because somebody's having a need every few seconds, really, maybe at least every minute. So I would be looking around and looking for the cues because people will give them to you before they, hopefully before they get rude and maybe snap or whatever things people do. Wave money. Snap, wave money, hand in the air. Yeah, I, I see. What do people not need to do? People Best way to get to your attention? Not snap. They need to not wave money. They need to just be patient. Understand that, you know, a lot of times when there's a crowd that forms at a bar, you can kind of tell who got there first. And uh, they also should be considerate of each other, knowing that maybe somebody's in front of you. And you know, as long as your bartender is there and working, trying to get through all these orders, there's no reason for you to 
lose your cool or be impatient about getting a drink because it's just a drink. And you know what? These people right now, bartenders, are frontline workers. And we're out there putting ourselves at risk to make you drinks. Like, calm down. Yeah. Like, calm down, folks. Like, it's going to be okay. It's alcohol. You're going to get your uh, drink. Like, yeah. like, like it, you, can, you can take a deep breath, count to ten. Like, these are people. They're real people that are working to do something for you that's... They're making something nice for you. They want to do it well. Like, give them a second to do it. Yeah, I feel the same way about the food, too. Like, your food's taking long. It's just enjoy the company of the people you're with a little bit more instead of there were so many, losing it. There was a couple months where you had just died just to be at that restaurant talking right. to somebody. Just enjoy that moment. Yeah. If anything, Have just enjoy that moment. These one-star Yelp reviews are a real pain in the butt. Just people that are, I went out and this person did this and that. It's like, just calm down. Really? Stop it. Um, what else you got? Uh, it's a good interview know. question, isn't it? What yeah. else you got? Uh, I'm a big <laughs> basketball fan. I was a huge Kobe Bryant fan. Rest in peace. Mm, uh, I was too, man. I was a really... I was with my dad. We were outside chopping wood at his house. And we were listening to uh, XM. And it's a classic vinyl. And she came on and she said... Kobe Bryant and I was with my son and I just stopped I, I, I felt like I've been punched in the gut and they played Let It Be it was like this she made the announcement and it was just like this what? and yeah. they played Let It Be and I sat there and I had tears just rolling in my face my dad was like oh my gosh and so did he and he's almost 70 we just stood there and it was like for his family God it was just a yeah. I'll never forget that moment it was crazy for me too because I just watched some videos uh, I, I watch a lot of uh, YouTube videos for basketball and I had just seen something it was like Kobe and LeBron I think LeBron had just reached a milestone and he did I went downstairs and then I my neighbor told me and I was just like what so it was a, a punch in the gut for me mm. that's a tough one man so what do you think's next what do you think's next for you um I don't know I've been at Skull's Rainbow Room for a little over three years. I really love working there. Uh, the vibe's cool. The music is always great, and it's kind of like a family. So I'll I'll be there. You can find me at Skulls anytime. So if uh, you want to come out, if you're coming to Nashville, you're going downtown, and right now is really the best time in the world. If you live here and you're listening to this, get down there right now before the massive crowds come back. I know they're starting to come back, but like. This is the time for locals to get downtown and go eat a yeah. good dinner. Like, go to Skulls, get their prime rib. The prime mm -hmm. rib there is fantastic. Chef Gannon is, besides the super cool guy, like, he does really good food. Yeah. Get the pork chop, too. Get the pork chop, too. Yeah. And then, um, and yeah, what's your favorite bar that's not your own bar? Another one. You're trying to get me in trouble. All right. My favorite bar is the Fox Bar and Cocktail Club. Which just announced they're closed. They're closed. They're one of the bars that had to shut down, unfortunately. I really love Pearl Diver, too. That uh, place is cool. Yeah, Pearl Diver is awesome. Uh, those are probably my two actual favorite bars to have cocktails at. Okay, so the best mixologist in town. Let's <laughs> say the best mixologist. One of the best bartenders in town. Thank you for showing here, but you're saying... Go to the Pearl Diver. 
or you're you're actually not saying that. You're saying nah, go there. <laughs> go there. <laughs> then it's gonna be packed. You're not gonna get a seat yeah. at the bar. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, I don't know if they're open. I hope they're open. But even if not, they're not open. They're doing to goes. So Sweet. the Fox Pearl Diver. Those are gonna be my one and two. I hear all kinds of people talking about Attaboy. I love Attaboy too. Attaboy's there. I, I just forgot. That slipped me. No, I mean, but, I, I don't go out. I got five and six-year-old boy. I don't go out drinking. I don't drink. I haven't drank for a long time, so I've said this like nine times on this episode. It's so hard for me talking about alcohol because I don't drink anymore. Uh-huh. And so it's it's a little weird for me to kind of like have this type of conversation, but I'm I'm good. I missed the bar. Mother's Ruin. Oh. Mother's Ruin. They, they started in New York, and their second location's here. Yeah, right in Georgetown. And I love that bar, too. Yeah. They serve food every day till 1.30 a.m., Oh wow! Which is a positive thing. I just so if you um, need late night food. The right next door to Germantown Pub. Mm-hmm. Yep. The Naima was on the show. Okay. Just, uh, week before last, she's awesome. It's a nice little, cool little place. Um, what do you got? If you were to say something, we've gone forty-five minutes. What do you want to say to the Nashville bartending community? Anything? If I always give the guests the final word, like, what do you want to say? What's your words of wisdom? What do you got? Uh, right now, I would say just keep your heads up. Uh, we're going through some really rough times. It's not a bad idea to try to work on some other skills and maybe even look at some alternative work right now. Just because you don't want to, we, we don't know what's going to happen. So that would be what I'd say. I love it. Well, man, thank you so much for spending the time today. Thanks and, for having um, me. I'm going to do so much more work with bartenders and kind of get the word out. I know you're one of those people who absolutely cares about their craft and does a damn good job and respects the professionalism of this industry and is a beacon for everybody who wants to get better in this industry. Go see Akinde at Skull's Rainbow Room. Go meet him. Say hi. Tell him that you heard him on this podcast and uh, ask him for the Patron Old Fashioned. Is that what it was? Yeah, it was a Patron. Roca Patron and Yeho Old Fashioned. Ask him for that one. And uh, (laughs) thank you so much for joining us today, man. Thanks for having me. All right, so there it is. Akende Olagundaye on Nashville Restaurant Radio. My first real bartender we've had on the show, and I learned a lot And I look forward to speaking with more bartenders and kind of getting a much more insight into kind of what's going on out there. A bunch of different people out there, a ton of talented people. And we're going to jump into that um, immediately. So thanks for hanging in there. Sorry about all the cars driving by. Um, He's got a super cool place. And um, hope you guys are staying safe. Love you guys. Bye.